Well, welcome again to French Church. We're so pleased that you're here with us this morning. I am Pastor Steve. I'm one of the pastors on staff here today. You may have noticed, if you read your program uh, in Pastor Kevin, our senior pastor's comments, that this morning he is fulfilling his lifelong nightmare, I mean, I mean dream, <laughs> to run a marathon. So as, as your mind wanders over the next few minutes and you get bored or something, maybe you can throw a prayer out as he is uh, fulfilling that nightmare of running a marathon. And so, but be lifting him up. Also, I want to just mention, uh, to next Sunday and the Sunday after that, uh, we will not have with us our music minister, Seth Wenger, because he is actually getting married this Saturday. So you might want to see him and, Heather, and Hannah. Hannah is here. Hannah Williams, his fiance. So they're, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to share and, and appreciate them when they get back. And we'll let you know more about that. But we're, we're excited for them. So I got to thinking about it. Pastor Kevin's nightmare will be ending about the same time that Hannah's nightmare is beginning. Uh, sorry, Seth. If, uh, he's probably down in the other room. <laughs> Just kidding. But we're glad, we're glad for them. You know, I know you were just standing and you just sat, but I like everybody here in the worship center. If you would stand together with me, we are going to read the scripture lesson this morning out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'd like us to read it all together in unison. So just join me in reading together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we just pray that you would take these words, that you would instill them and just drill them into our minds. And Lord, may they not just affect our minds, but Lord, may they impact our hearts this morning. And Lord, more than that, may they impact this week, our hands and our feet, every, and our mouths, everything we say and we do, through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, during the offering, you saw that video of Kathy Perry in Ireland. Well, it just so happens that probably, at least we are told, that the oldest Christian site in Ireland is St. Patrick's Cathedral. And St. Patrick's Cathedral is located in Dublin. And you may have seen it it's, or heard of it. It's a, it's a large, beautiful edifice and a place where people go. And it's got a neat history. But there's, there's even more history than some people know. In fact, there's a story that relates to a door inside this cathedral. It started out in the year 1492. In 1492, there were two families, the Butlers and the Fitzgeralds. They were prominent, powerful families in Ireland. 
They were, it was the medieval times and they were there and they were, uh, they were, they were medieval families that, that had much presence there. And, but in 1492, unfortunately, there arose a dispute. In fact, they were having an all-out feud at this time. Uh, actually, it started, there was a position, a, a Lord Deputy position. It was a political position that was a powerful and sought-after position that both the butlers and the Fitzgeralds had desires for. Well, it was Gerald, Fitzgerald, who got the position. And that did not make the butlers happy. So that started an argument, which started a fight, which ended up being a feud. And the feud in 1492 actually spilled out into the streets or out into the countryside outside the city where the two families were actually engaging in fights in an almost all-out war. It wasn't going well, though, for the butlers. The butlers were losing, so they uh, did what we call the retreat. They hightailed it. They went back into the city. Not only into the city, they went to, onto the property of St. Patrick's Cathedral. And there, they went into what was known as the chapter house. The chapter house was either, in some cases on these cathedrals, it was a, a separate building or maybe attached. In this case, it was a wing where it was large. It was where meetings would take place, the larger meetings. And so it was a, it was a big room. And they went there and they retreated for refuge. They also claimed sanctuary, which means they couldn't be harmed. But the Fitzgerald family followed them. Followed him into the city, followed him onto the grounds of, of St. Patrick's Cathedral, followed him right up to the door of the chapter house. And there the families yelled at each other for hours. You can imagine this going on back and forth, yelling at each other. Finally, Gerald Fitzgerald said, This is ridiculous. He said, Here we are, we are countrymen. Not only that, we worship the same God, and get this, not only that, we attend the same church. And so he said, this is really stupid. So he finally said, I'm going to put into it. And he went up to the door, this thick oak door, yelling through. He says, I want this to end. This should not be happening. We should not be feuding. Come out. We won't hurt you. We won't harm you. Let's put an end to this. But the Butler family said, we're not that stupid. <laughs> they said, we don't trust you. We're going to stay right in here. And so they stayed in there and refused to come out because they thought as soon as they came out, they were going to be captured or maybe even killed. About that time, Gerald Fitzgerald got an idea and he took his spear and he stabbed it into the door. And then he got told his men to get hatchets and they got their axes and they cut a hole in the middle of the door. And when they got done, Gerald Fitzgerald took his arm and he stuck it through the door, the hole in the door. When he did that, not knowing how that was going to be received, not knowing if he was going to have that arm cut off or burned or whatever they may do, he felt, after a tense moment, a clasp on the end of his hand. The door opened and they came out and they were reconciled. If you go to St. Patrick's Cathedral today, you will see there the door of reconciliation. That's the door that has the hole cut out that was part of and significant part of the reconciliation of these two families. It's there as a reminder that somebody must take the initiative to reach out and to be reconciled and to reconcile. In fact, beyond that even, you may have heard of an old Scottish saying, it's this, 
to chance one's arm. To chance one's arm. Or chancing one's arm. Which comes from this, it means putting at risk. Taking a risk. And especially a risk to settle a dispute. To reconcile. This passage that we read this morning... This passage that Paul wrote is filled with this theme of reconciling. And I think Paul would have a kindred heart with Gerald Fitzgerald. I think he would like Gerald. And in fact, I think he would probably borrow this phrase to chance one arm if he would write this today. If this had happened after he had written, he'd say, I like that. To chance one arm, to take a risk, to make a sacrifice in order to be reconciled. It's worth it. And so this morning, we read that scripture together, but I want to go back and focus on a few things and and say, why, Paul, what are you saying here? What is it about being a reconciler that I need to know this morning? And it's interesting because the first verse that we read this morning really doesn't say anything about reconciling. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. You're just going to say, are you serious? Is it really a new creation? Are we really a new creation? I can prove it to you. I have a picture here of me before I became a Christian. That's that's me. Now, now look, a new creation. Now, get that off the screen. Let's go go to the next verse. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, but, you know, I I know some of you saying, I don't look as good as I did before. (laughs) Oh, well, that's the way it is. But we are a new creation. And I want you to look at something in this word, in this verse here. Therefore, if anyone in Christ is in Christ, the new creation has come. If you're like me and you grew up with a King James Version and then you, you moved on to the New International Version around 1984, somewhere around there, there's a little different wording. It says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Well, you know, actually, when you go back and look at the Greek, he is a, are filler words. They're not in the Greek. He is a is not part of what was written in the original text. They were added by translators to help us understand. If you read the, new, the, the original Greek, the Greek, it says, any man in Christ, new creation. In Christ, new creation. In Christ, new creation. And, and, and what the text is saying, and we get it a little more here in the newer version of the NIV, as is, is they, is they took out those filler words, they said, no, it's not just an individual thing. It's just not that I am a new creation. I am part of a new creation. I have entered into what God is doing. I am new. All is new. I am now part of the exciting work that's being done. God, in in Hebrews chapter 1, he says, In the past God spoke through the prophets, but now he's spoken through Jesus. And he's entered into a new era. We now have an era of, of salvation through Jesus Christ. We have the church era. All is new. Nothing is the same. When, uh, when I would go with Gary Wright and World Renewal to minister in different parts of the countries, or different countries, and we would, uh, we're usually working, trying to plant new churches, or going in with our small churches and trying to help them and help them reach the community. And so the way we would do that typically is through sport camps, uh, especially basketball camps, because People around the world, they still think Americans are best at basketball. I mean, that, you know, we're, it's, at least in the sports they care about. We can teach them something of basketball. So we do when we teach them basketball. But then at the end of the day, we get them together and we tell them about Jesus. 
And it was usually Thursday, the next to last day. Gary Wright, the, our, our, our evangelist, would get up and you, sometimes through a translator, many times through a translator, would give this message. And he would say, you know what? Up to now, you've been on a team. But it's a losing team. And he says, I want to tell you about a new team. And he'd have the basketball there and he'd be talking about it. He says, he says it's the Jesus team. It's a team where all things are new. All things are fresh. You can have salvation. Your life can be changed by being on the Jesus team. And uh, as he would give that, and he would ask the young people that were there that were playing basketball, he said, do you want to be on the Jesus team? Do you want to come up here this morning and talk with us about being on the Jesus team? And they would just come up because it was a whole new team. It was something completely new. It was something that had never, they had never heard before. They were in Christ, new creatures. In Christ, new I got a better way of thinking about it. You have been mired in your, in your disastrous life of being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. You can become a Browns fan, a new team. <laughs> okay, it's not like that at all, but I had to say it. <laughs> a new team, a new creation, all things new. In Christ, new creation. In Christ, new creation. You and I are part of what God's doing. When he sent his Holy Spirit and he sent the church and he said, go, go do it, we are part of what he's doing. We're part of the new creation. Not just me. Not just changed my life, but he's changed everything about me. He has changed everything. That is what being a new creation is. So the question is, if we are new creations, if we have been in Christ's new creation, what does God expect of us? What is God expecting of his new creation? What is God expecting of this new thing that he's doing? And Paul starts in verse 18 to give us that clue. He says this, All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself and Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Two quick points here. He says, here's, here's the reason we do what we do. First of all, God has reconciled himself to us. Reflect on that a second. Think of that vision of the oak door. The division between us and God. One thing I've learned in reconciling, nothing changes. There is no reconciling until someone takes the first step. Nothing changes until something changes. Something's got to change. And God said, you have been distanced from me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chance my arm. And I'm going to reach down. And I'm going to reconcile myself to us, to you. And then the second part there is, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now you probably know this, but what does reconcile mean? I always like to get the definitions in here. To reconcile is to restore a friendship or harmony. It's something that existed in a good way. But something broke it. And now we want to restore it to that good place that it started. And God says, I had a good thing. I had a good thing with Adam and Eve. That, that garden, that was pretty cool. What happened? Our sin, we walked away. And a lot of times I think 
at least in my life, maybe in other people I see, we're a little bit like the butlers. God is reaching out and saying, come, let's, let's end this. And we don't trust him. Eh, I'm not real sure. What are you going to require of me? What's going to happen? The next one, to bring into agreement or harmony. Being a financial guy, I'm always interested how many people reconcile their bank accounts. Now, you don't have to raise your hands. Hopefully, somebody in your family is reconciling your bank account. You know, you get, that, you get a bank statement and it says you have this much money, or maybe it's the other way around. Your bank statement says this much, and your checkbook says this much. And you say, well, what's the difference? What happened? Well, if it's like me, I didn't write down any of my ATM withdrawals. You know, usually what happens? So we have to reconcile. We have to say, okay, we have these two different things. We have to bring them together. And he's committed to us that ministry. Let's go back, verse 18 and 19 again. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In Christ, new creation. In Christ, new creation. You know, through here, at times, when you hear Paul saying, we, 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 you can think, well, maybe he's just talking about him and his buddies. Maybe this doesn't apply to me. It's just Paul, and he's just, he said, well, me and my buddies, we got this ministry. But no, he says here, God's entrusted this ministry to all of us. In Christ, new creation. In Christ, ministry of reconciliation. You can't get away from it. In Christ, new creation. In Christ, ministry of reconciliation. But I love what it says in verse 19. God was reconciling the world to himself. Over these next, one, two, three, four, five, six weeks left in our sermon series here, our series on Go, you're going to hear a lot of stories. You're going to hear stories and you're going to hear challenges of ministry, of mission work. And one thing I've noticed is God has no boundaries and no borders to his ministry of reconciliation. There is no neighbor too close to you that you're not called to reach out in ministry and to meet with a ministry of reconciliation with the good news that God has come to bring new life in Christ. There's not a foreigner too far that you have not been called to be part of the ministry of reconciliation, of going out and saying, hey, there's a wall between you, but God has reached through. He's broken down. He's put a hole in that door. He's extended his arm. There's no friend too close that you can't risk saying, hey, do you know Christ? And there's no enemy too hated to say, you need the Lord. Can I take a risk and chance my arm for you? It's to the world. And he's committed that message to us, not to Paul and his buddies, to us, in Christ, new creation, in Christ, ministry of reconciliation. That's us. He even says it in Colossians chapter 1, 19 and 20. He says this, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled, what? Everything. Everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. God chanced his arm for everything. 
He reached out for everything. And he says, somebody has to go out and tell that story. So how do we become reconcilers? How do we become ministers of reconciliation? I know you came, when you came this morning, you probably didn't think you were going to leave with a title minister. You are. <laughs> we all have that call. We all have that challenge from Paul to be a minister of reconciliation. In Christ, new creation. In Christ, the ministry of reconciliation. I think there's a lot of ways it can be done. I know some ways it can't be done. I don't think we become ministers of reconciliation, pardon me, by sitting in chairs on Sunday or in pews. I don't think we become ministers of reconciliation by sitting and saying they will come or by building and saying they will come. Nowhere in the Bible do I see the ministry of reconciliation starting with the word stay. That's what you say to your dog. <laughs> no, no. The ministry of reconciliation that God has given us, established by Christ, is go. It's go. It's go. It's go to that neighbor around the corner. It's go to that village just outside town. It's go to the inner city. It's go to around the world. That is the ministry of reconciliation. No borders, no boundaries, the world, it's plain. Make disciples, be witnesses in Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth. Our call is not to sit as reconcilers, it's to go and be reconcilers. Paul gives us a little more because I need a little more help understanding this. He gives us some practical advice. He says it's like this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And he says, he says, you're an ambassador. An ambassador goes. An ambassador is sent. An ambassador is what? He is a messenger. An ambassador is a messenger with the word from the government that he represents. And he says, you are an ambassador. You are sent with a message. And it's a message of reconciliation. It's a message that God's chanced his hand through that door and reached down to you. And you can be on the Jesus team. All kind of messages of hope, of salvation. But in that same verse we see, and not something else, we see that word implore. Implore. I looked that up and it says, to beg someone desperately. Paul, this is not, he's, not, he's not just telling He's begging, passionate, determined, tireless. He, he says, I beg you, I beg you, I implore you. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5, 11, just a few verses before that, he says, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. It's his life's priority to persuade. That's what being a reconciler is. It isn't just, hey, I, I, I gave you, I told you. No, I beg you. In Christ, new creation. You can be part of a new creation. You can be part of a new team. You can have a new life. And Paul says that so clearly. Paul says it is worth chancing your arm to reach out to somebody, to reconcile them to God. And Paul knew the risks. 
Paul knew the risk. Do you remember everything that happened to Paul? Beaten, whipped, um, imprisoned, stoned, shipwrecked, death threats. He knew all of what the risks were. And he was willing to do it. But that didn't stop him. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 19-22 on the screen. He said this, Though I am free, I belong to no one. I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself was, am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might win some. And I think here's what Paul's saying to us this morning. Don't go out and plan to be a reconciler if you're not willing to sacrifice and risk. If you're not willing to give and invest. And Paul says it's that important. I implore you. I implore you. I am willing to be sacrificed. I'm willing to be beaten. I'm willing to be imprisoned unjustly for two years. I'm willing to be thrown in other prisons. I'm willing to be shipwrecked. I'm willing because I'm making an investment. I know it's going to cost. And I will do, in fact, I think this can be summarized, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. If I got to become a Jew, I'll become a Jew. If I got to become a Gentile, I'll become a Gentile. I, whatever I need to become. If I need to become a Steeler fan to reach Steeler fans, I will do it. Oh man, there's got to be some limits, right? No, no, I'd be a Steeler fan if I could win a Steeler fan. Why not? That's what God is calling us to do. Paul says, whatever I need to do, whatever it takes, I will do it. Whatever it takes. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? I was thinking about what are some of the costs of being a reconciler? What are some of the costs? Ah, one cost can be comfort. I think when we become a reconciler and take a risk, actually it's uncomfortable. We give up some comfort. We say, I'm, I'm willing to maybe not watch the TV or do the things I need to do or maybe I'm willing to go and serve in Africa or India. Maybe I'm really to, ready to get uncomfortable, give up my luxury, my luxury, my, my refrigerator and my stove and all those things and really rough it to win some. What are you willing to give up comfort-wise? How about security? We love security. But when we risk and we stick our arm out, we don't know what's going to happen. When we go to another country and establish a mission work, you can be robbed. You can be taken advantage of. But God says, I need somebody to be my ambassador. I need somebody to risk. I need somebody to go there and stick my hand through the door. Okay, I got one more. (laughs) Money. Being an ambassador being a reconciler, being God's person can be costly money-wise. We don't go to countries, we don't establish ministries without funds. I got to tell you, when Sheila and I were married almost 35 years ago, 
We made a commitment that very first year. The first year we were married, we said, we're going to follow God's example. We're going to follow the example in the Scripture, and we're going to tithe. And for 35 years, we've started with tithing because the ministry, I can't do it all. She can't do it all. The church, though, can reach out and do so much more than we can do. We can't even do it all here, so we join with other friends' churches, and we work around the world. You saw the work in Ireland. We don't even, we even friends' churches can't do it, so we join with other organizations who are out in places we aren't. And we work. But that only comes with people who are willing to sacrifice. And some of that's money. That's, that's the 10% to start. We've had the joy over the years of supporting uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, individuals there, and, and other people working around the world and, and world missions in my work with Gary Wright and, and saying, Lord, just take this and bless it. I had the privilege to invest in the lives of young college kids. You know, when I thought, when they asked me to, to join the board of Malone University years ago, I thought they paid the board members. I found out later, no, they expect you to pay <laughs> to be a board member. But gladly, Lord, what do you want? Well, I found out the last three years as being chairman of the board, they really expect you to pay. <laughs> they expect you to set an example. I got to admit, once or twice in my life, probably a few more times, I've thought about pulling out my tax returns for the last 35 years and adding up that money and saying, what, what if I had used that somewhere else and accumulate that and thinking what I could have done? Or if my wife would correct me, what we could have done. What could we have done with that? But as soon as I think that, I say, no, no, that was worth it. That was an investment that was part of the cost of being a reconciler. That was part of the cost of what God asks us to do. And we give it up joyfully so that work can be done, so that youth can be ministered to, so that children can have supplies, so that missionaries we, we, we support can have a meal, so they can have tools to work with, so they can have works translated into the languages that they're doing. It's a sacrifice that we chose to make. And Paul knew sacrifices. Finally, Paul, though, also understood that there was another risk, and there's a risk of rejection. And that's a sad, sad risk. Let's look at that 1 Corinthians 9, 21 and 22 again. And look at that last word, Some. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. He had no illusions that everybody was going to receive this message. Some people, when you extend the hand of reconciliation, are going to bite it. That's the risk we take. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, said this, neither failure nor hostility can weaken the messenger's conviction that he has been sent by Jesus. The fact that we, 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 we give and we give and we give and sometimes the results aren't what we want. We leave that to God and say, Jesus sent me. I have been sent as a messenger. I have been sent as a reconciler. In Christ, new creation. In Christ, ministry of reconciliation. I have been sent. Why do we go? Why is Paul so passionate he sums it up in verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us 
so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul knew that there was no way he could take the first step in reconciliation. It was God who extended his hand. It was God who chanced his arm. And what happened to it? It was nailed to a cross. When God extended his arm, we took it and we nailed it to a tree. The blood came from his arm that was extended for us. It was his work that allows us to do his work. In fact, Reverend Charles Spurgeon said it this way, much better than I can. He said, the work of reconciliation he committed to his son. The word of reconciliation he has committed to us. Jesus did the work. Now it's our turn. We have the word over these next few weeks. You're going to be hearing again and again, whether it's around the corner or around the world. Go. Go. Be a reconciler. Be an ambassador. Share. At a cost. At a cost. And it's worth every penny of it. Are you willing to chance an arm? Are you willing to chance your arm? That's what I want to know this morning. I want you to do one other thing. Let's stand together again. And I want to reread the scripture we started with this morning. Now that you've heard this message, reread it and let it speak to you. Let's do this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God and God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Lord, this morning, take that passage. Lord, we thank you for Jesus who gave his life for us. And Lord, we thank you that you extended your hand through that door, through that di dividing wall and called us. Lord, help us now to be ministers around the world as we worship and praise you.
victory this week and be a reconciler. You are dismissed. Thank you for coming.